me just start with uh, this question. What does Christmas mean? Because that's, that's kind of the question. We're going to look at what Paul has to say, because we're in, looking at the life of Paul, what Paul has to say about the meaning of Christmas. Yeah, so Paul begins with this statement. He says, in the fullness of time, God sent his son. Like when the time was most right, he had perfectly set the stage. The table was set for the main course to be delivered. God placed his son in the world. And that is the meaning of Christmas. I think we all know that, that God sent his son, that, that, that Jesus came. But here's the question. What does that mean? That Jesus came. And, and, and why does it matter? Why, why does it matter to you? Why does it matter to me? Why does it matter to um, us in 2017? Why does it matter for the city of Grand Rapids? Why does it matter for our country? Why does it matter that Jesus came for our world? And I think the first thing that Paul tells us is, is pretty significant in terms of why it might matter. He says, and he was born of a woman. In other words, uh, God didn't just come to the world and just poof, magically appear. And one of the things that I often say is, is that the womb is the most sacred space uh, in all of creation. It, it's, it's sacred because it's where the creator of the universe partners with woman to create human life. Which is why woman is the, the, the last and crowning act of creation. Why she has such an exalted uh, place in our world. It's because God partners with woman to create life. And I think today one of the greatest wars today is on the womb. But this is what I want us to think about. That the one who made the world... The one who, who put all the galaxies in their place. The Bible says he knows every star by name. Not only does he partner with woman to create life in the womb. But this God actually enters the womb. He enters it. And kids, I don't know if you know uh, the name of the first human being. Does any kid here know the name? You can just shout it out. Adam, of course. You're like, what a dumb question. <laughs> Does anybody know what Adam means? Kids, this is just for you. Any kid know what it means? Someone got it in the first service. Dust. Take a stand right now and take a bow. <laughs> well done. More literally, dirt. Or mud. So why would God call the first human being mud? Because creation account tells us it's like God put his hands in the mud, in the dirt. And he formed Adam and breathed his life into him. And he became a human being. And he says, from the dust you came, from the dirt you came, from the mud you came, from the mud you return. And Paul will use this to, to say about Christ. He will say, Jesus was the second Adam. The second mud. Because he became dirt. He, he, he took on the mud. He took on our human condition. He became like us 
in every way. And that's what Paul means when he says Jesus was born of a woman. That Jesus had no special privileges. He had no special powers or advantages. Uh, he became like us in absolutely every way. Paul also tells us the, the kind of world that, that, that Jesus was born into. And Haley read this so well in, in verse 3. It's a world that, that Paul says is in slavery. And it's in slavery to something specific. Um, our text translates it as the elemental forces of this wor world. Um, that word, elemental forces, is a technical word in the first century. It's, it's the Greek word stoicheia. Stoicheia basically means the ABCs of reality. The 101 things that we all understand about our world. And to the ancient, these ABCs were, were, were simple to all. It was first that our world is a nasty place. Second, that life is very difficult and painful. And third, that our only hope is in the gods. And the ancients, we've talked about this before, had a god for everything. Each, each family had their patron god, their family god. Each city had, had, had their, uh, their, their, their city god, their regional god. They had a god for wealth and prosperity. They had a god for war. They had a god for, for sport. They had a god for pleasure. They had a god for wisdom. They had a god for, for health. They had a god for wealth. And, and, and here's how, how they approached the gods. They understood that these gods needed to be pleased all the time. And this just wasn't on a weekly basis or even on a daily basis, but by hour by hour of every day to get what the God was, was, was promising to give, you had to please that God all the time. Which is why the ancients were very superstitious. They had all these rituals, customs, uh, good works that one had to perform for the gods so that the gods would be for you, so that they'd make your life okay, they'd make the world okay. And it's these customs, these rituals, the, these good works, those are the stokeia, which is why Paul, a, a little bit later in this text, in verse 9, will say, why are you returning to that? That's bondage. And, and, and some of you might be thinking right now that, Thank God that we don't live in such a world uh, that thinks this way, but we still do. Because I think like the ancients, when we look at the world, it looks like a nasty place. The Bible teaches that our world is in total ruin, that it's infected with, with sin that's leading to, to death and decay. It, 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 it's falling apart. Which is also why I don't care who you are, I, I don't care what you pretend to be, but for all of us, life is difficult. Oftentimes it's painful. And to all the children in the world, in, in this world right, in this room right now, I, I, I don't want to make you sad this morning. I mean, if you're crying out loud, it's, it's Christmas Eve. But as you get older and older, your eyes are, are going to be open more and more uh, to things that will make you sad. 
And it's not just sad things that you'll see in our world, but it'll be sad things that you'll start to see in your family and, and sad things that you'll see in your own life. And here's the question. What's our hope? What is it that we turn to today to make ourselves right, to make our lives right, to, to make our world right? And see, this is where I think we're, we're more like the ancients than we care to admit because while we might not have labeled uh, money and, and sex and prosperity and sport, intelligent, health and wealth as gods, we sure live for them like they are. We treat them like, like that's the only hope that we have. I mean, you just think right now about all the things that, that we turn to for our sense of value, our sense of worth, for a sense of meaning, that our lives matter, that, that we're okay, and, and, and maybe our world can be okay if we could just have these things. And see, whatever these things are, these, these really are the real Lord and Saviors of our lives. And, and, and here's the deal. If you think about it, all these things come with their own set of laws and, and standards and, and good works that must be met. I mean, we live in a world full of stoicheia. All these things that we have to do, all these ways that we have to perform uh, to get these things, these hoops that we have to jump through. And Paul is right. He labels all of this as slavery. And there's all kinds of slavery today. Slavery to approval. Like the only way that we'll ever be approved or accepted is if we can measure up to all these standards that, that people place on us. There's a slavery also to appearance and the way that we look. And not just the way that we look in terms of our, our body, our, our physicality, but the way that we look... Um, Morally, the way that we look spiritually, the way that we look politically. The bar is so high, and there's so many people that live in a bondage to like, no one can really find out who I am. And they live their whole life just uh, trying to hide. There's a slavery to performance, that, that if I just do enough, and I achieve enough, and I get enough, and I become enough, then maybe then I'll be okay and my life will be okay. All kinds of masters that own us, whether it's money or sport or sex or career or beauty or popularity. Think about how many people are willing to sell their souls, sell their bodies, sell their reputations, put their marriages and families on the altar to serve these gods. Only in the end for for all these things to be like those presents under the Christmas tree. I, mean, I used to warn my kids. I still do a little bit, but they don't have to be warned. They're old enough to know now. I'm like, give it, give it months. Give it sometimes weeks. I remember the iPad mini when that thing came out, and Bennett knew exactly what that present was under the tree. And I think when he opened it up and got it, I said, Bennett, it's going to be months, and that thing is going to be forgotten. You're not even going to, you're not going to, you're going to be bored. He opened it, he started rubbing it, and I think he started saying, my precious, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> he was whispering something. <laughs> but 
this is the sickness in our world, and it not only leads to despair, but the Bible tells us it leads to death. And Christmas is the, the awesome reality that God sent his son to set us free from this bondage. In fact, these verses that we read, I think, are really Paul's version of the parable of the prodigal son. You know, Paul teaches in propositions, Jesus teaches in story, but it's really the same truth. Um, because Paul here is letting us know, like, like the prodigal, our world is lost, our world is broken. And, and the reason for this is it's not just because uh, we are bad. It's we're orphaned. We've lost home. We've become displaced. We're, we're, we're disconnected from the love of our Father. We were made to know the Father. We were made to know his love. But we are like Adam. We are hiding from God. We're slaves. And, and all this human striving to try to cover ourselves, this effort to make ourselves okay and, and, and our world okay. We just insist on being slaves. We insist on making life all about us, what we can do, what we can perform, what we can get, believing that maybe through our own effort we can make everything all right. And like the parable of the prodigal, we need to come to our senses because apart from God, we are helplessly, hopelessly lost. We're a mess. In fact, in the parable of the prodigal, that whole, um, when, when he comes to his senses and we read this story, and a lot of times I think we, we, we make this all about the prodigal, and it's like, okay, he finally comes to his senses, good. He picks himself up by the bootstraps. He, he, he returns home, and, 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 and it's all about the son, and we see the father too. He's just kind of passively waiting on the porch, waiting for the son, but finally when he sees the son off in the distance, then his father heart kicks in, and he goes out and runs towards the son. But listen, this this parable is not about the prodigal son. What, what finally causes him to come to his senses is that he remembers home. And he remembers the love of his father. And the father in this story isn't as passive as you think, but this is why Jesus tells the two parables leading up to it, the parable of the woman with a lost coin. When she loses that coin, she goes to her whole house, scouring every nook and cranny, looking for that coin. Or the next parable, the, the parable of the shepherd or the lost sheep who leaves the 99 sheep because he has to find that lost sheep and he searches everywhere. And that's the father. He's not just passively waiting on the porch. He is searching and searching until he finds us. And how does he search for us? Paul gives us the answer, and God sent his son. Jesus came across all worlds to find us. To show us the face of the Father, the heart of the Father, and to show us the way back to the Father. And you and I, whether we know this or not today, we have not been made to be slaves to the things of this world. We have been made to know the Father and his love and to live our lives in his arms. 
And it's like God looks at his son and says, son, will you go find him? And Christmas is that Jesus said yes. And Jesus came across all worlds to look for us and to find us, us, us marginalized orphans, to bring us home. And Paul, the word that he uses here is that Jesus sent his son to redeem us. In fact, that word redeem in the ancient world comes right out of uh, their idea of family. Because what it meant in the ancient world to redeem is that if a family member, for whatever reason, became marginalized from the family or taken from the family or, or was somehow... Um, uh, 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 just removed from the family, it was the father's job, it was the father's responsibility to use all the resources that he had, whatever it took, whatever it cost, to return that family member back to the family. That's what redeem means. To be redeemed is to be brought home. It's when you, for whatever reason, have gone outside of the household and the father doing whatever it takes to get you back in. And look at what it costs God to get us back, to redeem us. It cost him his son. Son, would you go? Yes. And look at what great cost it, it, it was to both father and to son. Um, the cost of, of father uh, letting son go, uh, the, the cost of the son uh, to redeem us. I mean, first, to redeem us, Jesus had to live the life that, that Adam was supposed to live, that we're supposed to live. And so he came into this world in, in, in Adam's flesh, in Adam's shoes, in our shoes, so that he could be faithful in a way that we weren't faithful. And step by step, blow by blow, through 33 years of trial and temptation, he lived the life of loving God with everything he had. A life being full of the Holy Spirit. And that all culminated then with, with dying this death, the death that you and I deserved to die. And, and here's the deal. When, when Jesus died, Adam's fallen existence died with him. And what was raised then is what we will be someday and what our world will be. New creation. And right now, because of that, we do not need to remain as orphans. We can come home. Jesus says, I am the door. His righteous life, his atoning death, is, is the way in which the door to home is open for us. He said, I am the way to the Father. You come through the, to the Father through me. And he said, in my Father's house, I'm even preparing a bedroom for you. That when you die, there's going to be a place in my Father's house. That's the meaning of Christmas. Have you come home? I was just recently thinking about uh, the, the, the difference between being in my father's house and a stranger's house. 
In fact, just recently I had to uh, get a loan and I needed help from my dad. And so I went uh, to my parents' house. And, of course, the bank that day took a lot longer. So I spent almost the whole day uh, in my parents' house. And safest place in the world for me. It's the best place in the world. It's the most exalting place in the world. And that is just a small taste of what God made us for. Just yesterday I was, um, I was reading uh, ESPN and uh, they had this article about this Detroit Lions rookie linebacker. His name is Steve Longa. And I got a PowerPoint of, of, of him. He grew up in Cameroon and uh, he was blessed with a great dad. In fact, he's there with his dad. And uh, this is what he said in the article. He said, if dad's around, it doesn't matter what goes on outside the house. You're safe because your dad is there. And he says, as soon as dad leaves, it feels like everything is about to go wrong. And that's exactly what happened in his life. Because of warring factions in Cameroon, his dad had to leave uh, his family when he was pretty young. Um, their family started to fall apart. And in fact, there was a time when, when, when they thought that they had lost their dad, but years later, their dad called them up and said, I, I have work in the United States, and I have enough money to bring you all back into my new home. And uh, Longa was just a teenager when he came to the United States. Uh, obviously, he became a great football player. He said his dad filmed every one of his games so that the two of them could watch it afterward. And his dad would just be like, oh, you did this so well. You did this so well. So this year, Longo was taken as an unrestricted free agent by the Lions. One month ago, he got the call that his dad tragically died in a car accident. This is what he said. I mean, after he talked about the devastation of that, he said, every time... I now step out on the football field. I remember my dad's words to me before every game. He always told me I was the best. He was like, listen, son, you're the best. People don't know that, but I know that, and you know that. And I want us to hear this morning that our hearts... They were made to hear that. And you might not have an earthly dad who's ever uttered those words. But the meaning of Christmas is that Christ came to this world to show us the heart of the Father. That we have a Father that burns with love for us. Who says to us. You're the best. In fact, Paul even says something else. Not only did God send his son so that we could, so that Jesus could show us that, so our hearts could know, us, know that, but he also sends the Holy Spirit into our hearts so that we could constantly know the love of our Father. A Father who says, you're the best. I love you. And that's the meaning of Christmas. And that's the, the, the gift that keeps giving 
the greatest gift there is. God, we just thank you that you are real. And that you're not just a mean boss or a hard taskmaster, but that you are a loving father. And the reason why Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this family of the Trinity, even made us in the first place is to share their family with us. And so, God, if there's anyone here today who doesn't know the love of the Father, who's never experienced your love through Jesus Christ, God, I pray that you would open their eyes of their heart. God, that you would send their Holy Spirit into them, that they would know and see the love of God, the love of the Father, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord, who came to this world to be born of a woman and to die a death on a cross, to be raised on the third day so we could come home. In Jesus' name, amen.